0: All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner joined by Rich Hoffman on a somber start to 2020. How you doing, Rich?
1: I'm annoyed, Derek.
0: (laughs) Yes. And I meant meant somber by the way that the Sixers are playing. I guess somber on a more serious note because of the passing of David Stern yesterday at 77, which uh, just a real titan of sports, a titan of the direction of the league, and of so many different ways that we can't even begin to. We could do a whole podcast on David Stern. Did a lot of, a lot of good for the game of basketball and everything from I think WNBA and how it's taken off to international basketball to the popularity of stars to the salary cap. Like we can go on and on and on. He had a huge impact in all of that, and uh, that was that was a tough loss for sure.
1: And an amazing character too, with yes. some of the backroom stories. I think you know just reading Woj's piece yesterday on ESPN where. He is unabashedly rooting for Kevin Durant and Greg Oden to go to big markets, and when uh, when it comes up Pacific Northwest, Pacific Northwest, Deep South, he's sitting there muttering to himself. That's uh, <laughs> he definitely was one of a kind.
0: Yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah, yes, he was. And there, are, if you want, there will be better podcasts out there to tell you about David Stern. And Rich and I had pretty limited interaction, so we would be mostly telling you I. Met him at a lottery or two, but have no real stories to tell you. There are other people who can paint the character of David Stern better than we can. So we will move on to the basketball team, which we do spend a lot of time around, a lot of time thinking about and talking about your Philadelphia 76ers. Now, you were on the road. I think you were leaving that day, actually, when we talked to Mike about the Milwaukee win, the high point of the season, maybe the high point of the last, I don't know, almost decade
1: considering the opponent, I think it's the best win they've had in the regular season at
0: least. Yeah, but that was that, that was probably the best game against the Bucks that the Sixers have played in a long time. And the highest of the high that you have felt as a fan. And then to the follow it up with those three losses against Orlando, which this team just cannot beat for some reason. Against the Heat, which up until the last 20 seconds could have been a, a real nice feel good win over a good opponent that's almost unbeatable at home, but then then the 20 seconds happened and we'll have to talk about that. And then just one of the worst performances you've seen in a long time from this team against the Pacers. So that Milwaukee win, which is only, what, like eight days ago at this point, feels like an eternity ago. And everything about this team is now in question, from the job Elton Brand did in the summer to Brett Brown as a coach and as a motivator, which might be just as important. And my cat is getting into trouble, so I apologize if there's always in the background. But Brett Brown, the motivator, which might be just as important as his ex's nose tacticians about the construction of this team and where they go in the next month as we gear up to a critical NBA trade deadline. So I guess as I mute my microphone and go to try to prevent my cat from ripping up papers, Rich, what do you, I guess, what's the one thing that really sticks out that you think might be a long-term concern?
1: There's not one thing, because if you look at that road trip, they lost in three different ways. You mentioned it, Orlando, never play there again. They just can't score there. It's ridiculous. But to to come off a game in Milwaukee where your offense is humming at a super high level against the best defense in the league, and to just lay an egg, you, you just couldn't score. And Brett Brown, after the game, talked about how they didn't match Orlando's physicality on that end. Whatever the hell it was, you, you have to score at a decent level against them. And, you know, Orlando's a bad offense. The Sixers' defense was good enough to win that game. And they just didn't score, and that that stunk. Then you get to Miami, and, you know, they they didn't shoot the ball well for a lot of the game. I I wasn't in love with their defensive intensity, but that's a tough game. That is the second half of a back-to-back. Miami had one too, but, of, of course, they were playing at home. In that same situation a month ago, the Sixers blew the doors off Miami. So they have a chance to win that game when Embiid hits the Jimmy Butler shot over Jimmy Butler, and they're up five with, uh, I I don't know what what it was. It was like a a minute and a half left or something like that. And I think back to, uh, we're going to fast forward a couple days to Josh Richardson's comments about accountability. I don't think there's enough accountability in our locker room right now. Here's what I would say to Josh Richardson. Maybe that's right. But you're one of the people I would hold accountable. There are a bunch of plays down the stretch of that game where it's ridiculous that the Sixers don't make one of them to close it out. There is a uh, Ben Simmons defense on Jimmy Butler the entire game was fantastic. He could not score on Simmons one-on-one. And that's something to put away for a playoff series if these two teams meet. But Ben Simmons gets back cut. He falls asleep on the baseline and Jimmy Butler gets a bucket with less than two minutes in, in the game that just can't happen. So that's one thing. Then they, uh, I, I forget what the next possession was, but Hey, Josh Richardson, you want to hold people accountable? Hey, Gordon Dragic after a Derek Jones miss three, you don't box out your buddy who tips it to bam out of bio for a dunk. If you secure that rebound game's probably over you win. So let's hold you accountable as well. Um, and then Joe Owen beat. I mean, the, this team, whoo, this team trying to get fouled at the end of games, I don't think there's a worse team in the league. I'm not sure there's ever been a worse team in the league with a point guard their best ball handler, which we've talked about, does not want to get fouled. That screws things up. They have other players who are not great ball handlers, like Josh Richardson, like Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris goes up for a dunk to avoid getting fouled, puts the Sixers in a terrible spot when he back rims it. And then Joe beat, the, the best free throw shooter on your team is also your best player, but is also your worst decision maker at the end of games by a mile. He is Trey Burke wide open. And, you know, I, I get that he wants to get fouled. It, it, it reminds me of the Toronto game a few weeks ago. He said, you know, I just don't want to pass the ball there because I've made a lot of mistakes passing the ball. Well, Joe, when three guys are covering you and a good ball handler is wide open, you know, not too far from you across the floor, you should probably give it up so then so then they lose that game and then the indiana game is something totally different and i would like to uh to point this out yes the sixers have been good or or better when joel embiid sits but i think we can retire the when he sits we we have a ch- we know that they'll be competitive because the last two times they've played they have gotten their doors blown off that was by brooklyn and by indiana and they just didn't compete, and Al Horford is playing not well right now. Uh, either when Embiid is on the floor or off the floor, I'm seeing troubling signs there. So so basically, uh, that long-winded rant is a way of saying that there's a lot they have to fix. And it's not just one thing. It's not just effort. It's not just accountability. It's not just offensive execution. There's a lot. and And this team... I'm sorry they're underachieving at this point. It it's fair to it's fair to say that it, I I had a feeling it was going to be an up and down season. I did not know it was going to be up and down to this degree.
0: Yeah. There there's up and down and then there is some nights where you just wonder whether this team has a chance to get out of the second round and then some nights where you think, yeah, they should make the NBA finals. And it's it's pretty regular that you can have both of those feelings. And you know, since December 14th, they are 3 and 6. They have the, their offense is struggling over that time. Uh, 107.9, that's the 19th ranked offense. Their defense is a 110 defensive rating, which is 21st. And they're still good defensively with the starters on the court. They're pretty average defensively, below average, bad defensively, with starters on the court over that span as well. Josh Richardson and Al Horford have just been really bad since coming back from their injuries. But when Embiid sits defensively right now, they are, they're, 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 they're disaster over the last nine games. They have a 109.5 defensive rating. When Embiid is on, on, on the bench and Al Horford. For, they need I'm, to,
1: they need to change something up with his coverages. I yeah. am so sick of watching lobs go over his head for dunks.
0: Yeah. And he's not contesting the floaters. He's, he's in no man's land all the time. And there's, you know, Kylo Quinn, we, I mean, we, we thought they had three viable centers. And, and look, Al Horford is a very good player. Like, he's in a very rough stretch right now where he just he can't do much right on either end of the court. But we had just come off a late November, early December where he looked fantastic paired with Simmons offensively. And I still think there's that skill that set can mesh where they can give you something interesting on the offensive side when impede sits.
1: The numbers they, for the year are still pretty good,
0: too. Hold yeah. They need to be competitive defensively. When Embiid is off the floor. Kylo Quinn right now can't do that. Um, Al Horford right now can't do that. Norvell Pell is Norvell Pell. A spot that we thought, you know, you you sort of took a less than perfect fit offensively in Horford. And so far it's been way below less than perfect. But you, you would deal with a less than perfect fit offensively because you thought, you know, during those 16 minutes that he would slide to the five that you would be not only competitive, but you could actually push that lead. And lately that has very much not, you know, there's negative seven net rating over the last seven or last nine games when Embiid sits. That's not getting it done. And so much of what, you know, I guess what we were talking about in late November and early to mid December when they were going on that winning streak, when they had won, you know, what was it? I think it was
1: 13-16 or something 30, like that? Yeah, so
0: 13-15, to 15, 13 six, something in that stretch. Well, yeah, but they're playing a lot at home against teams that are either not good or had extenuating circumstances, the, the road back-to-back being what seemed like propped up a lot. And now that they've hit a, a rough stretch of their schedule, a road-heavy stretch, a stretch where they have some of those road back-to-backs. They have really come crashing back down. And they're sixth place in the Eastern Conference. I guess if you wanted to look at that in a positive light, there's a lot of ground between six and seven, so it shouldn't get much worse from here. But by the same token, this is a team that most people thought, myself included, 56, 57 wins, two seed in the Eastern Conference, chance to go to the NBA Finals, and they're just not playing like that right now. And I don't think, like you said, I don't think there's one easy solution on why that is the case.
1: On a positive note, or at least a way to frame it, Al Horford has had stretches like these in the past couple years in Boston. Where in the middle of the season, he has been a little bit of a funk. It's where the, the average Al moniker came from. And as we've seen, sometimes against the Sixers in the uh, in the playoffs, he has come to play at, at a really high level. I do wonder if, uh, if those injuries that he was dealing with are slowing him down a little bit. He will not tell you that? Nope.
0: We ask every time, and every time he says he's fine.
1: But... Uh, you know he he has not been good since they have come back come back and you know it's like you said you you mentioned the defense when the Simmons Horford groups are playing the the offense for the starters is just no bueno man it, it's just not good enough and it like you said the two players who i would point to right away are Richardson and Horford who are both coming off of longer injuries and they're just not playing well and, and some of it might be the zone defense they're facing, but but that's not all of it. And, you know, I, I think the, the, the tough thing, because I, in that rant I did mention, those are three completely different losses. One game where they can't score, one game where they throw it away late, and another game where they just don't compete without Embiid. The, the third game was especially discouraging, though, because after the first two, when you lose and, and you have Embiid out, you would like to see more fight than that. And I think on, on a lot of nights, like, like People say they need more defensive effort and and they need to play harder. That that could be some of it. I, I don't think that's been the case for every game they've played. Like Orlando, I don't think that was the case. That was just bad offensive execution. That effort against Indiana was bad. It was pathetic. Yep. That was that was bad transition defense. You know Embiid's not playing. There were a couple games earlier this year they played without Embiid where yeah maybe the defense wasn't good but they were playing hard. Portland. Phoenix, which was a loss, they played hard in that game. They just yep. they got lit up by Devin Booker. It happens. Horford played great. Oh well, move on to the next one. That stunk, and uh, it, it's concerning to see that happen after you lose those two games. Like if you beat Miami, not to say you have an excuse to uh, to roll over in Indiana, but naturally you should be more up for that game to try and get off the schneid. And they just were not.
0: Yeah. And that's the type of game, you know, a, a, a team can withstand a stretch where they lose, you know, six out of nine games. You can, you can bounce back from this, play well, and this won't matter in a couple months. But that is the type of game that can sort of get in your head. And if they, they come back and they repeat that effort, and look, that's not the only time it's happened. Like, Brooklyn was a similarly bad, bad effort a couple weeks ago. Dallas was not, although that was a little more like they got frustrated by the zone, but that was not a great effort either. And if that repeats itself, that can get a little bit discouraging. Um, And I, you know, some of the comments that came out were a little more forceful than I think I was expecting. And you do worry a little bit like this is a team that just doesn't have a lot of shared history together. And, and, and it's always easier for a team that has been there, gone through these stretches before and, and come out and, and made a deep playoff run or gone to the, the, the finals or won a championship to sort of come back as a group. And, Am I saying this team is fractured? No, not at all. But you do, you want to see how they respond. And this is a, a, a weird, funky roster. You know, Brett Brown at one point said that didn't think he'd really be figuring things out offensively until Christmas. Well, we're, we've are come and gone, and things are not figured
1: out. By the way, they're, they're still 10th in offense. I mean, the, the freaking defense. 20th over the past two weeks and cleaning the glass? Come yep. on, man.
0: No, that's that's not, this is not a team that is... This is not gonna a team that's going to win very many games by just coming out and blowing the doors off you offensively, where everything's clicking. The the Bucs, in some ways, was that game. That was a version of this team that could, you know, win a a game, not that game, because they needed their defense to be top-notch to win that game against that opponent. But some nights, like, if you have that offensive performance that you had against the Bucs, you know, against the Magic, then you can have an off-night defensively. But this is not a team that's going to have that offensive performance very often. They're going to need their defense to be consistent. It can be tough at times for a team built this way, you know, like you're going to have off nights defensively and there's just, there's, they have, it's so little margin for error. It's, and, and the last two weeks have been a
1: big error. It's and the worst part about them is that because of the, at bucks game, because of the two performances against Boston, you've seen the high level that they can play at. So you don't want to say something stupid. There, You know, I, I think there have been a lot of takes over the past week. of Oh, there have they, been takes. Yep. They can't get out of the second round. They are going to play on the road in the first round, which, by the way, if this keeps up. That's not a wrong take by any means. But, but a lot of disqualifying type of takes. I don't want to say that because I know what they're capable of when they're locked in and playing at a high level. But, my God, are they annoying to try to make <laughs> sense of right now. And they... Look, I mean, even though a lot, I think a lot of people might sound stupid at the end of the year with some of those takes, because I do still believe yep. in this team's high ceiling. My God, does this team deserve those takes right now? Yes. You you cannot follow up that Christmas game with an 0-3 trip. That's just brutal. And also, and, by the and way... by the this, way,
0: it's probably going to be 0-4, because this is a tough-ass game they got coming up, too.
1: Yeah. Th- this game...
0: Although knowing I, I, this team, they'll they'll come out and they'll win this game on the road against Houston. Who who fucking knows?
1: Yeah, I I would think the hope for this game is just even if you don't win, get back on track and have some days of practice around that and come you know hopefully re- ready to get back on track when you're at home. But and
0: forget about us and our takes. Like come back and have a good performance so like the people in that locker room feel a little better about themselves too because of the comments you heard after. Indiana make, uh, you know, it, it would be good to have a feel good, uh, performance for them for sure. All right, let's take one quick break to talk about our sponsor, Calm. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, Getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my mind and body. And as an occasionally under-rested sports writer, I can tell you that my typos per minute ratio definitely increases when I'm low on sleep. It's a tough life that we live, but somebody has to do it. If you head on over to Calm.com Sixers, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron and using Calm with a 40% discount on an annual membership at calm.com slash Sixers. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash Sixers. That's calm.com slash Sixers. And now back to the show.
1: What do you think about that, those takes, the uh, the Josh Richardson accountability stuff?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I agree with you, like, if... if somebody is going to yeah. let's hold him
1: accountable.
0: Well, hold him accountable. But also I think he might have that personality where like he will speak his mind, whether that's publicly or not. I don't really care. But like in that locker room, you sort of want Simmons and Embiid to do it because they've been there longer. They're the face of the franchise. But I feel like Josh sort of has that personality where he might just say it. And he has enough clout in the league where people will listen But it is interesting that he was the one who came out publicly and said it. You know, I do think after a performance like that, somebody's going to say something. Like, that was frustrating not only for us to watch, but I'm sure to play through. He certainly needs to hold himself accountable too because that performance was bad across the board and he was included in that. It is, you know, like I said, if you hear that take once from a player, that is a good sign, I think if we hear that again in a week again in two weeks multiple times over the next month that's when it can get a little bit concerned and their performance here over the last few weeks has has warranted that take i think but yeah i don't know it's it it does feel like we're at a point in the season where things could and by the way like the schedule doesn't really get any easier right now like you've got the rockets you've got the thunder and the celtics and the mavs and the pacers again and all right, then it gets a little easier. Um, but then <laughs> a little easier the, after that. But. Then you got the Raptors <laughs> and the Lakers and the Celtics again, and the Heat. Like, there's no now, super
1: easy stretch from, from I mean, now that, until that, the end that, of the year.
0: That's sort of like that Bulls, Knicks, Nets stretch. they, they not, should they should they should pile up some wins there. But when you like the, the the edges of that are two really tough stretches. Still, like this is a team that if they don't get their act together, like, and that leads right up to the trade deadline, where you know you have to make a decision. We we like to sit here and say like, well, let, let's see more. Let's see what they can figure out. Like this is a talented team. They have a chance to be really great defensively. Let's see what they can figure out offensively. And if they don't figure it out offensively over the next week, that's when you have to make that determination whether they can or whether they can't. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I th- I thought this was going to be the year where like things stayed consistent and they built upon what they had and you got a real sense of identity and, you would sort of build that chemistry and that culture because there wasn't much movement. And I still think like your starting five is going to stay the way it is, but there's certainly more questions about it now than there have been since they put it together in July.
1: I have a couple thoughts about the accountability thing for Richardson. One, I think it's important to note where he came from, Miami, which is
0: it's all they talk about.
1: All they talk about is culture, accountability. It's almost a uh, militaristic in a sense. Now I, I would note it gets a lot of play that culture when the Heat are playing well. Right. They've uh, they've had that slogan since LeBron James left. Have they won one playoff series since then? So they've they've been accountable just up until uh, May first or before. <laughs> okay. So that's one thing. But but I do I do think that that is how that organization is run, and it's run a little differently than here for sure. I think like you said, you don't want to be hearing that comment. More than once. Here's the problem with that. This team has not shown that they can play with any sort of consistency. So to, to where, let's say they even have a good stretch over the next month and a half. But are they gonna have, you know, one or two more, three or four game losing streaks where they're just they're just not competing, or a million things are going wrong? Then you might hear those things again. And it's just, it's rough, because yeah, you do not want to hear that, because then you turn into the 2018-19 Boston Celtics real fast. Yep, yep. Now that Horford the knows about that. I
0: was thinking of, yep.
1: So that's, uh, that's something to look for, but yeah, this is, uh you know, I, again, I thought this was going to be a little bit of an up and down year. I thought the offense was going to have poor nights, and they were going to look pretty bad when, when things are going bad, but. Their uh their level of bad is A, it's more consistent, it, it pops up, you know, more frequently than I thought it would. But B man, it is just rough to watch. It's uh it, it's it's not great and it's tough because you know, it's just for us sitting here trying to make sense of this team, I, I don't know how to do it because I do fully expect them to somewhat get back on track. Like they're not gonna keep losing at this level over the past week. For some reason, by the way, you said it, Orlando, they should just never play there again. (sighs) I don't know what the hell is going on there, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a rough patch right now, for sure. It is.
0: And this is, I mean, the one thing I'm still confident in is the defense, when they care, that they'll be a good defensive team. They need to care right now. (laughs) They do. They do. But I, I have confidence in that. Like, if we're talking about what I worry about in the playoffs, I think they will be a very good, maybe even great defense. Yeah, As they are currently constructed, which they need because the offense is going to be inconsistent enough where they need that to sort of, you know, to, to, to keep them grounded, to keep them competitive, to give them a chance. The, it does look bad when that's not there. And that's what we've seen here over the last few weeks. The offense is still, I mean, it, it's, they don't have, they don't like, they can't have Josh Richardson and Al Horford go into slumps. They just don't have the kind of depth in terms of of creation and individual scoring ability to lose those guys in a half court, especially when you have the other guy who won't shoot. It's And the shame of it is, like, Embiid over the stretch offensively has been pretty freaking good. and, And pretty good at finding, sort of outside of the last 20 seconds, the balance between being aggressive and passing, and limiting his turnovers, and being efficient. I think his defense has actually not been is taking a little bit of a hit here of late. But offensively, I think he's playing very good. There just aren't enough players right now who complement him to any real degree. And what we're seeing lately, you know, when they would go to the bench and split Embiid and Simmons up, for a long time, Simmons and Horford had such a great offensive pairing that they were making that work, and that was exciting. But sort of like the Embiid-centered lineups, where you've got Embiid and a bunch of shooting guards and wings, and, and Josh Richardson... Have been some of your more consistent lineups lately, yeah. And it does like when you've got Embiid going. It it this is where like having a starting five that actually complemented him even a little bit would be great. And you made that trade off so you can get a potentially elite defense. And when that defense is nowhere near elite, it's just it's been tough to watch. Really, has yeah.
1: tough times for Brett Brown too.
0: Yeah. Yep. I I mean people. It's like everything in sports. When you have a, a, an opinion, you wait to see something that confirms it. And for me, I, I looked at this roster at the beginning of the year and I said, I, is it, they're going to struggle at times against really good defenses. And that to me is where my focus is. That's where I think a lot of the offensive problems stem from is roster construction and a point guard who you hoped would, you know,
1: it's, you know what though? I, will I don't say, think it's been been a lot in terms of shooting lately. No, no, he's, and he's had a couple of really strong games in that three and six stretch, basically the three where he uh, he was so good pushing the ball in transition and finding shooters. Part of that, I think, has also been the bench. Not been great. Mike Scott, you need to start playing better as well. Ferkey, not not giving you the consistency that you're looking for. But yeah, I don't, you know, there have been some of the takes have been criticism of Ben Simmons game and it's I think it's almost troubling to say that I don't think that's been the main driving factor of this it's just that the uh, the starting lineup I forget what my stat was but I think it was over the seven or eight game stretch Brown throughout the first third of the season was said you know we're, we're doing pretty good considering we can't get these five guys together well you got those five guys together and they like stunk they stunk Plus point nine. For- Come on, yeah. that's not good enough. It's yep. <laughs> not even close to good enough. No, nope.
0: with a, with a defense that was like best in the league and offense that was right around worst. Yep,
1: just need to be better than that. Is this team is look? I, I get that it's built for uh, for the bench units to you know the the wealth to be more evenly distributed than in past years, but that starting lineup still needs to make somewhat of a killing. You know, may, maybe they won't be the Covington Sarich simmons reddick mb lineup from a few years ago but yeah plus 0.9 when you can't score it's uh it's gonna put you in a hole and then you know like you said these horford lineups have not done well recently he was uh horford was particularly bad in the uh miami game the, uh, that game does not even get to crunch time if he is playing at his best and simmons is if they're playing at their uh let's say their month ago level but uh yeah, I don't know how many how many ways can we say the team is bad, right? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I'm kind of running out of ideas.
0: No, it, it is it is, and I mean it is. Uh, you know, I think I think the Simmons takes are going to become overwhelming at times. Look, but and here's the
1: thing: he also deserves them too. He does. It's, he, he it's ridiculous to, that he's not even trying to it's shoot.
0: Absolutely absurd. And the only two times he shot all year has been basically where the team has designed a play specifically for him to shoot in the corner. And that is, when we're talking about like championship future, because this is a team that still should, you know, we're going to get hyper-focused here on the next month for contending this year, but this is a team where if things break right, can contend for a long time. And the most crucial aspect of that is Simmons becoming a reliable half-court shooter and scorer. So the on the one hand, I want to focus almost everything on that because that is so incredibly important. But on the other hand, there's so much more wrong with this team that you want to focus on other stuff as well. It is crazy that he's not shooting. It is hugely that detrimental to this team's championship equity. And, you know, if we say, like, on the one hand, like, I don't think his offensive play or his spacing over this nine-game stretch has really been the problem. I think it's much more about Horford and, and Richardson and their defense.
1: I would argue part of it is because teams are playing zone where he does not need to space as much in the zone. You need Correct. two guys inside the arc against those lineups. Yep.
0: But also, like, you know, this is at some point, you know, there were a lot of takes over the summer that, like, moving on from Jimmy Butler and getting the more complimentary pieces was a sign of support for Ben Simmons and his growth and his importance on the team. And that's only true if he actually grows. Like, they need somebody who can really create in the half court. And while Richardson and Horford are struggling mightily, like, you still need that growth. And I thought it was a little bit unfair to Ben. He's never really been that kind of a scorer. He's never really had that mentality. That's not his strength. I've always said, like, I want that corner three, so when they get that guy in the half court, Ben has a role. But, you know, part of the struggle is that they just don't have that guy. They don't have they don't have that Jimmy Butler. They don't have that. And ideally, you'd get someone better than Jimmy Butler, who's a little more natural of a f- facilitator than him. Um, they just they it they, there there's real skill sets lacking on this team, and when the the defense isn't covering them up, it can be a uh, it can be
1: frustrating. Well, right. I, I wrote this the other day, in that I don't think Simmons' lack of a jump shot is precru- precluding them from winning a championship, but it's going to make it a lot harder. And we we talk about a lack of consistency that this team has. Part of the way to be more consistent is to add stuff to your game, like a corner three, something that doesn't take as much effort is driving the ball up the floor like a madman at all times. And uh, he has not shown that at all. I mean, it's just like, look, it's so ridiculous that Brett Brown said publicly a month ago, almost at this point, I guess yeah. that was early December, so pretty close to a month ago. He said that he wanted to see one three per game from him. Has not taken one since. Not taken a, I think he took a half-court heave. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I don't know.
0: Crazy. It's crazy. It really does, like... We've talked enough about Ben Simmons over the time. I mean, the the defense is real. It's appreciated. It helps the team a lot. That growth is unexpected. Uh, The lack of offensive growth is unexpected, too. He's almost the
1: least of the problems defensively right
0: now. Yeah. All right, let's take one more quick break, this time to hear from DraftKings. BCS season's in full swing, and we've got the championship game on January 13th. If that's not enough to get you excited, the playoff push is underway in the pros. Need even more? The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on all that action and more 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every day. From odds boosts to free bets, DraftKings has it all. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook will give new users a free bet just for signing up. It's no wonder the DraftKings Sportsbook app is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code TOSS. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet when you sign up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with code TOSS to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania-only restrictions apply. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now back to the show. All right, let's go to a couple of bench developments, and then we will... Move on from this depressing-ass podcast. Two sort of major takeaways. Furkan Korkmaz playing well and maybe becoming the consistent shooter that we all thought he would when we scouted him with Efez. And then Trey Burke moving into that backup point guard role. I guess your thoughts on those two developments and whether they are something that you think will stick around.
1: Is Furky playing better? I guess he he is.
0: He was up until the last few games.
1: Yeah, and then the last two games happened, which just seemed to be his career at this point. He is.
0: Uh, I mean, over the last nine games, he's shooting forty four percent from three.
1: Well, he, he had a couple of monster games against Detroit and Milwaukee, so that, that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, look, I think if teams are going to play zone, he's he has to play, and he he's the closest thing they have to a quick trigger guy, a, a bomber, in Brett Brown's words. So that that's been whatever. I think the the more interesting one to me has been Burke, who I do not love as a player, but has played pretty well. They uh they inserted him over Horford, deservingly so, against Miami. What a world, to, huh? If you had said
0: a, that fucking statement in in July, whew.
1: I would just use the the dates that they were signed. Al Horford signed on July 30th, wasn't even July 1st. Trey Burke. July 26th, I think. It was Well,
0: not only that but the 107 million differences between their contracts. Yeah, I don't want to so. look up
1: the the contract numbers. <laughs> I just remember dates better. But that's why uh Yeah, and and deservedly so. Although I will say that there was a there was some commentary criticizing Brown for inserting Horford on defense at the end of that game. Come on. Let's let's get real here. I, it would be malpractice to not reinsert him for Burke at the end of that game. Although of course Horford fouls Butler unnecessarily. Not great, Bob. Um, yeah, it, it seems like Burke has taken over the backup point guard role in a way that we haven't seen him or Neto take complete hold of it yet. It, it'll be interesting to see if that lasts. He, uh, l- look, they're not getting consistent play from, from any of these guys, even Korkmaz. I mean, Mike Scott is he's pretty useless if he's not making shots, and he's been about a 33% three-point shooter for a month now. Yeah. No, Mike
0: Scott has been, he's been bad and he's yeah. a real key part of this team. He's a real key part of the spacing around Embiid in those bench lineups. And they need him to, to make shots to justify his minutes. And lately he has not. And by James, lately, I mean really most of the season.
1: Yeah. James Ennis is, he's up and down. He, uh, he'll give you more consistent contributions than Scott in, you know, little things, whether it's the offensive rebounding He'll play hard defensively, although he does have the more than occasional brain fart on that end of the floor. But just to get a little more juice on offense with that, uh with that starting unit. And that's a uh I think that's a commentary on where Brett thinks the starters are offensively at this point. Of course, you know, Burke played against Indiana. I don't have the stats in front of me, but he did not play well in the first half of that game. And no. some of that is look, I mean, he's a he's a score first guard. And sometimes those shots are just not going to go in. And then if those shots aren't going in, he is the, the shorter version of Mike Scott where he's <laughs> not giving you a ton. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think he has played well. I think he handled the, uh, the commentary from his dad, you know, pretty well. He kept it, you know, an even keel and, and came in and he gave them legitimately good minutes. I mean, if they win that Miami game, we are sitting here praising him because he was excellent in that game. But, uh, you know and he, and he does i will say this he is a liability on the defensive end but he does try yes yep. and you know look 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 coming into the se- season we knew the reason he didn't get signed until late july was in part because of his defense so i i think he does deserve some kudos on that end of the floor cuz he does give a, a lot of effort in you know picking up guys full court and trying to make it as tough as possible you know for someone his size can do it. So yeah, I've uh I, you know, I, I'm not the biggest Trey Burke fan in the world, but the offense has been better when he has played, albeit in a small sample. He uh I think he definitely deserves the backup point card minutes right now.
0: Yeah, I mean there there are two types of bad defenders. There's the bad effort defenders which will just drive you up a wall. And then there are the overmatched defenders who you know, look, bottom line is he's he's a really bad defender who's going to be picked apart and attacked on the defensive side of the court. But he's less frustrating to watch at times because he is at least giving you that effort. And I've been impressed with that effort. You know, I I give him kudos for buying in. Earlier in his career, I don't think he necessarily did that. The end result is he's still not a good enough defensive player. And when he's, you know, if he goes through a slump here where he's dominating the ball and getting them out of their offense and, and, and missing shots, that will become doubly frustrating. But he's he's been in terms of their problems he's been pretty low, of late. Um, yeah, Mike Scott. I mean, twenty nine percent from the field, twenty one percent from three over the last five games, borderline unplayable. James Ennis, like you said, up and down. This is a, a bench, especially now with Matisse Thybul still out, that um, just isn't good enough right now. And
1: when you it's have a it's a sneaky killer losing Matisse. I I didn't think yeah. it was going to be quite this bad, but. Look, he, you know, obviously he isn't the most consistent guy in the world, but w- when he's playing at a high level, it gives this team another element that they just don't have.
0: Yes, it does. All right, I don't know how much more depressing talk I have. And me, we'll have another one you of got these five. anything high-
1: positive to say?
0: Positive to say. It is a, it's a new year.
1: Yeah. New decade
0: like about about the team. I I will say I think Embiid's passing and and outside of when he patently refused to pass in that Miami game, which was just like the frustrating thing about that was his outlets were a wide the fuck
1: open. Like, I mean, Trey Burke was that outlet and he was wide open. Couldn't, and and I
0: think he had either Richardson or Harrison there, too. And the passes couldn't have been any easier. <laughs> And also, they were good free throw shooters. Like there was no reason for him to hold the ball.
1: And Trey Burke's a good ball handler. Too. Yeah, that, that's like, a one thing where oh, that's bad. It was bad, man.
0: Uh, <laughs> and that was like I said, that should have been a feel good win. That should have been a nice come from behind fury of a victory that could have really galvanized the team. And instead, it, it turned in the worst way possible. Like that.
1: Uh. I'll I'll say this as a positive thing. I'm still pretty confident against Miami in a playoff series.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, they don't scare me too much at all
1: um and if they can just not get back cut to death in the middle of games which i don't think will happen as much in the playoffs a because of effort and b just the recognition of playing the same team over and over again and, and knowing what their tendencies are those will be taken away i mean butler against simmons he cannot score against him one-on-one yeah flat yeah. out can't do it And I think he's
0: shooting like two for 13 over the three games or something like that it's absurd
1: just just getting terrible shots and they were trying like hell to get him switched on to, I guess it was Burke or Corkmaz or the entire game, which is smart. But and, and I wish Simmons would give a little more effort off the ball, that back cut at the end of the game. I, I cannot say how bad that would be. You can't get back cut at the end of the game like that. But uh, when Simmons was locked in one-on-one defensively, Butler just couldn't score. Him. And uh, that's uh, that's a good thing to have in your back pocket for the playoffs.
0: Yes, it is. All right. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon, hopefully after an impressive win over James Harden and the Houston Rockets.
1: I'm not counting on it. See you, man. (laughs)